uh, don't compare yourself. Um, don't worry about what people say about your work because it's, it's always a work in progress. This is the Bold Artist Podcast, where we talk about being brave and finding creative freedom. You want to get those beautiful things inside of your head out onto canvas? We're going to talk to real-life artists and learn the skills and the courage it takes to do just that. I'm your host, Mary Janelle, a multi-form artist and creativity mentor, joined often by my co-host, Sharla Marskalk, painter of colorful portraits and founder of Bold School, an online space to learn bold color painting. Welcome, and let's get started with today's episode. Adam Young, welcome to the Bold Artist Podcast. We're so happy to have you here today. Can we start out by hearing a little bit about your life there as an artist in Newfoundland? Yeah, so thanks so much for having me. Um, it's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've been an artist now for a while, a full-time artist for approximately three years. So before that, I was a teacher. So I used to teach art full-time for a number of different schools around. So uh, yeah, it, it was it was a bit of a, a daunting jump to, to hop into being a full-time artist and consider myself a professional artist. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy that I, I made the leap. So uh, yeah, I mean, I live on uh, I live on Fogawala, Newfoundland with my family. Uh, we've been here for around 12 years now. And uh, yeah, we love it here. And um, I kind of credit Fogel Island and Newfoundland for for steering me in this this direction, this career that I'm I'm into right now. Uh, I mean, I did do a fine arts degree uh, back in my like back in the early 2000s, um, but then I I didn't really think that art was a was a viable lifestyle and a viable career path for me. So I I do what most uh, students of art do after they get their fine arts degree is try to figure out what to do next. And uh, that was teaching. So yeah, I mean, uh, not to ramble on too much, but yeah, that's a, my story in, a, in, in a, a little bit of a nutshell. So what made you make the jump, Adam, when you went from teaching to full-time art? What, what did that look like in the in-between and making that decision? Um, yeah, it, it was a struggle for me. Uh, I wanted to do it for a long time and I went back and forth with it. It was more of an internal struggle in my own mind as to can I financially kind of uh, support my family? I've got two little girls, my wife, uh, we've got a house. I mean, everyone, all those same kinds of, of things that you think about. Like, am I going to be able to, what, how am I going to be able to do it? Like, yeah. I, need, I need to be able to physically paint enough. And then is it going to make us need to move? I don't know. Like, it felt like a selfish decision for me. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was teaching, and I do love teaching, and I've always, in my heart mm -hmm. of hearts, I am still a teacher. Um, mm -hmm. I loved doing the teaching part. But what I did was I, I kind of, I rode both horses for a while. And mm -hmm. once I found that art was kind of, it was starting to take over uh, the amount of time that I was able to give to it. Um, then I, I had to make a decision and say, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. see where it goes. I can always go back to teaching or doing something else. But if I don't do it now, uh, I'll never do it. So that was the, really the main catalyst for me making the move. 
That's that's remarkable. And I know there's a lot of listeners who are doing what you said, riding both horses. Yeah. <laughs> They've got their foot in both. And so hearing your story, I know will be very inspirational. And so yeah. what part did Fogo Island play in you making that decision? Well, okay, so I got to go back a little bit for that. Um, when I finished my fine arts degree, I went out into the main workforce and I was I was uh, doing all the odd jobs that I guess people do when you're that young and you're trying to make enough money. Um, I then uh, I then applied to become a like go to uh, my get my education degree. Sorry, and that's where I met my wife. And my wife is from Fogo Island, so uh, she brought me here in the summer times, uh, and I really fell in love with the mm. landscape, with the people, uh, with it was also a little bit of a, a retreat for me because where I was from, I was always surrounded by um, my friends and, and things to a lot of things to do to, to kind of eat up my time. So I was heavily involved in sports and coaching and, and mm -hmm. really I never had a second to myself. So when I came here, I remember that first summer I came here, it really was a time for me to reflect and mm -hmm. to start to take some kind of personal time. And it was a meditative thing for me. I started to go out and I started to draw. I started to uh, be inspired by the, the process of creating again. And it just built from there. Yes, and your work shows it. There is something very special, like you have a very special connection to the environment around you. And, and it, it's so clear that Newfoundland and Fogo Island impressed something <laughs> yeah. upon you in order to create the body of work that you're making now. And I took some time last night and was Googling images of your island and surroundings. And it is so pic picturesque. I want to go there so, <laughs> so much more yeah. than I ever did now that I've yeah. seen. And, and also now that I've seen the work of your art in reflection to what's around you. And so I do want to encourage our watchers and listeners to take some time and Google and look at the images of uh, Adam Young's you know, world around him, Fogo Island, mm -hmm. Newfoundland, and take some time to look at the photographs online, but then you can see why and how his work is what it is. It's just so special. And I can see why the Islanders have embraced you, but what has that been like, Adam, to be what is called a mainlander, move mm -hmm. there and become an artist, which is such a, like artists are a, a reflection of, of what's around them and their experiences. And so you weren't native to the yeah. island and yet you reflect it as if you are. What is that like? Yeah, it was um, my wife. Uh, she always said that like when I came here, I was, I was seeing the island through a new set of eyes for her. She was so mm -hmm. familiar with the island. She, she's seen it, she grew up with it. But for me, it was all brand new. So mm. through my interpretation of, of what I was seeing, it was brand new to her again. And she started to appreciate it a bit more and, and understand like, wow, anyone who's not used to seeing this all the time would totally fall in love with this place. So, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. That is a really neat way to look at it, actually, that sometimes it takes a new set of eyes to see the things that we take for granted. And, and mm -hmm. it often takes an artist <laughs> 
to do that. So yeah. uh, can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of your work from the time that you took the big leap? Has there been a big change and shift in your style? And how did you get to where you are now? And actually, I want to hear that, but let's give a quick description of your work now for those who are listening on audio. Yeah, so um, my work is very uh, colorful, bold. Uh, I really uh, play a lot with like the elements and uh, principles of design. So that really is my center stage. I don't think of the landscape first. I always think of um, the pieces going to be more representative of, of line and shape this time, or it could be more representative of, of pattern and repetition. And then with those thoughts in mind, I'll create the piece from there. Um, mm -hmm. So that's usually how I approach my work. And then the landscape is kind of the secondary measure to getting there. Um, but yeah, I mean, from start, uh, I, I did a fine arts degree. Um, I kind of uh, follow in a lot of uh, people's footsteps in the sense of when you start to learn about art or create art and draw, you're trying to uh, create something that looks lifelike or realistic. Um, so I went through that and I really kind of struggled a lot and it never really felt, um, it never really felt like my own identity when I was creating it. I felt like I was always never happy with what I was creating and um, I struggled a lot and it was frustrating. So m the evolution of my, my work um, started in more of a realistic style but then evolved into a more natural style of, um, I, if I were to, a lot of people ask me what, what style would mine be? And I, I really don't know exactly. It's kind of a mixture of a lot of different uh, styles and people who've inspired me throughout the years. But the Phobos uh, were probably my favorite um, style of artist because they just, they just weren't afraid to use color and they weren't afraid to blur the boundaries of, of what, um, they're, they're, they weren't so much, they're on the verge between abstract and uh, realistic. And there was a comfort in that with me. Um, and I'm, I'm a mm -hmm. huge lover of color. Uh, I love using bold straight out of the tube, straight on the canvas. Um, that's why I use acrylics because as I create, I'm usually, uh, it's usually a trial and error process for me. And I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up at the end of it. And that's the exciting part of creating. So acrylics allow me to make mistakes, uh, paint over them, make more mistakes, paint over them, and then hopefully get to a point where I'm happy with what I've created. So yeah, it's been, it's an evolution. And even to this day, like year to year, I'm finding myself uh, breaking down those elements and principles of art even more in, in the, mm. the work that I create. I'm starting to get a little bit more abstract and being comfortable with that. Um, not needing to polish it so much. Uh, yeah, being okay with the painterly qualities of uh, in the rough edges. So yeah, that's where I'm kind of at now. Yes, where you're at now to me speaks of even there's an illustrative quality. Your, your pieces seem to tell a story and yeah. there's a whimsy and curiosity to the pieces. I was looking earlier today at one where the chimneys of the houses that you had, the the smoke coming out of the chimneys were little hearts. And yeah. I was like, how did he even think of that? Yeah. You know, and and you you must have a lot of imagination as you're as you're painting and exploring. Your imagination just must be 
you know, what, what's going on in there, Adam? What, what's your imagination doing while you're, you're painting these curious pieces? Those, like, um, for me, I was always, like, back, going back again, I, I love doing figurative pieces. Um, I, I find that I'm drawn to a figurative piece even to this day, uh, a face or, or something recognizable in that way. So the buildings around here became my figures. And mm. so within those buildings, um, I like to characterize them and make them their own little type, their own little personalities within that. So that's kind of what directs me as I'm creating. Um, and yeah, usually I like, like I said, I don't, I don't normally work from an actual photo most of the time. Sometimes I'll use reference pieces, but I, I find it more comfortable for me to uh, envision uh, an idea or a memory of a place and then try mm -hmm. to uh, create that again. Um, and that's where uh, the struggle comes, I guess, in trying to exactly try to remember what, what I'm doing, um, just mm -hmm. using my own mind and sketches and stuff like that. But it also is uh, the reason I can, I can uh, kind of break outside the box and, and think up those little fun little things as I'm creating. So Adam, it really fascinates me that you don't necessarily work from a reference image. And I know that a lot of the artists that I interview and students of Bold School work quite closely with their reference images. So to find someone who isn't necessarily painting from reference, but storing images in their mind and creating as you go is something I'd love to hear more about. How do you do that? Yeah, so um, it was actually uh, when I first came here um, and uh, we, I spent my first summer on Fogo Island, I hadn't brought any uh, art supplies, so I was kind of at the mercy of what they had here at the local store. So I went down and I got some black uh, cardboard paper and uh, scrounged up some pencil crayons, and I started to uh, draw at night. So while everyone was asleep, I'd go down to the basement and I'd start to draw. So I started to try to envision those, those, those uh, areas that I like, visited during the day um, fresh out of my mind at that time. And I, I was trying to uh, use the light sources to create the, sh like the actual shape of them. So um, I started with night scenes. So night scenes uh, allow for different multiple areas of, of light and how that light will shape objects and the reflection of the light off the water. Um, and so I just started to investigate those uh, elements and, and play around with them. And then I started to find it became easier and easier for me. So whenever I sat down to uh, a, a painting, um, it was always more comfortable for me to sketch it out, um, just like you would in a sketchbook. I'll, I'll sketch it on the canvas, and then um, I usually paint. I'll, I'll usually paint over it a bit, um, and then I'll continue to sketch back into it. So the majority of my paintings are actual drawings. Um, I do use paint markers a lot, so I do. I go back and forth between using the traditional brush. Um, paint markers, and then I'll go and I'll, I have airbrush too, so I'll airbrush in uh, tones to dim colors down or to highlight areas as well. So yes, it's, it's been a, from the way that I approach things now, that was, that, that's my process and how I usually, how I usually go. And it always, um, I feel more comfortable uh, doing it that way. I almost feel like I have handcuffs, handcuffs on when I'm creating trying to recreate a picture into a painting. I, I don't, mm. it doesn't feel natural mm -hmm. to me. I feel like I'm, mm -hmm. I, I don't enjoy the process at all. 
Um, and that's why mm. I, I very I, I very rarely will take on commission pieces when people. I was just I was just me. gonna ask that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's not in, it's not overly enjoyable for me. I, I sit down with it and I'm I'm always disappointed with how it looks because I always feel like mm. oh I wish I would have I wish I didn't have this this say if it's a, a landscape I wish this part of the landscape wasn't there because mm -hmm. then the flow of the picture would be so much better. And I think that mm -hmm. that's our magical, like that's our special power as, uh, mm -hmm. as artists um, that create, that paint and, and um, aren't subject to what it, what, what's exactly out there. We can change it. We can manipulate it. We can make it look the way we want it to look. And um, mm -hmm. I think when you do that, I think whoever is viewing your work appreciates that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I had wondered that about commissions because as soon as you said and shared your process and how out of the box you like to be with creating the landscape, how you want and you imagine, I thought, I bet you would be hard if someone brought you a photo of, of a house or a landscape and said, please paint this for me. You, you yeah. feel that way. And yeah. so I, I can definitely relate. So Adam, if someone's listening today and they are very inspired by your process and feel like they want to be the kind of artist to break out of realism, paint from their imagination more. What kind of advice would you give to an artist looking to go that path? Um, it's, it's tricky because you need to, you need to flip the switch in your mind. And I think the biggest thing is to like for any new artist who's out there, who's creating um, it, it's, it's a tough process because it's a tough world. And especially if you compare yourself to other people, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's way more um, frustrating and it's you're easy, very easy to, to lose your own passion by doing that. Um, so I, like, like Jennifer always says, she says comparison is the, the thief of joy. So yes. what I normally, like what I try to do is uh, for anyone who is, I guess, coming into the art world, uh, don't compare yourself. Um, don't worry about what people say about your work because it's, it's always a work in progress. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yours doesn't have to look exactly like someone else's for it to be good. It's yours and, and eventually you're, you'll start to recognize that yourself and you'll start to appreciate your own work in that way. Mm -hmm. But it is different. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we all painted the same, if, we're, if all of our work looked the same, then it would be boring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I found that when students are learning, they often emulate who they're learning from. And it's it begins to look same, same for a while until they discover mm. that unique piece within themselves and then take the skills they've learned, but yeah. translate it through themselves and make their own creations and own work. And, and that's something that is always so exciting to observe when an artist really comes into their own. Did you have a moment, do you yeah. remember a critical moment that you felt like with a certain piece or a certain body of work that you said, oh, wow, Adam, I've come into myself. Like this is really, this is really my work now. Yeah. Um, that realization actually has only happened in the last couple of years for me. Mm. Um, before I've, I mean, you start out and then you, you, when you start out, usually you feel like an imposter for a while uh, until mm. you start to gain confidence in what you're doing. Um, I know a lot of artists have a hard time. Once you've got the, the skills and the techniques down, then, then it comes to, okay, what am I going to paint? What, what inspires me? What, what's the, like, why am I sitting down and am I, why am I doing this? Because 
once you get really good at drawing and really good at painting and you practice and practice and practice um, and, you're, and you're technically sound, you still need a reason to sit down and do something. Um, mm. So my, my real reason for sitting down and painting is um, the love of just color and the love of, of creating the process of it. Um, and I'm starting mm-hmm. to break down those, those elements and principles of, of art more as I, every time I sit down to a new piece, um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll think about, I'll think about the pattern and repetition. I'll think about, uh, the, the actual layout, the balance of, of my piece. What is this piece going to be more about, uh, asymmetrical balance. And then I'll go from there, or this mm-hmm. is going to be a piece that's going to be, uh, complementary and, uh, I really want to emphasize the color red in this piece. So how do you approach a piece when you have that in like in your mm-hmm. mind? Um, so those are the, those are the things that really kind of inspire me to create. Um, it's never, it's never like a picture or anything like that. That never inspires mm-hmm. me. It needs to be an essence. It needs to be a, a real feeling for me to want to sit down and, and do something. Mm-hmm. 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 So you you shared in the beginning how you made the big leap from teaching to full-time artist and that there was that meantime where you really questioned, especially just, you know, can I support my family doing this? Um, mm-hmm. Was there something specific in your art business, the, the business side of your art, that was something that you just really worked for you, Adam? Was it the selling of originals, the selling of prints or going to shows or what was just sort of the, the bread and butter for you as a full-time artist that you discovered? Um, it would have to be everything that you said there, a mixture of mm-hmm. all of that, right? Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't just one thing. Now, when I first started out, uh, I always, I, I initially thought I need to go and get signed by a gallery. And once I get mm-hmm. signed by a gallery, then I'm legitimate. Then everyone will see me as a true artist. Uh, and in that process, I was, I was discouraged because I did reach out to a few places early on in my career and uh, I wasn't getting any bites. I wasn't really getting anywhere and it was just making me feel bad about myself. And I, mm. and so what I decided to do was I was lucky enough to be born at, at this time in the world where I can mm-hmm. display my own work and, and create my own community and uh, display and actually have my own online gallery, which then turns into my own gallery. And, mm-hmm. and then I move from there and I'm not reliant on any, any gallery to showcase my work or any entity to tell me what I can and can't do. So mm-hmm. that right there, like, I, I feel like once I was able to um, start to build my own online community uh, and have clients come directly to me and and tell me how much they like my work and that they're they're interested and then it all built out from there and then I started Mm -hmm. to sell prints slowly and then I started to do a few shows uh in and around the Maritimes and I I actually went as far as as uh is uh Ottawa and I went I had a show in Toronto and um I was lucky enough to connect with uh the uh, come from away show in Toronto and they displayed some of my work so those little little things like that really builds your confidence and uh, validates yourself as being, okay, yeah, I can do this. This is something that I love doing. Um, I'm able to make a living off of it. And I mean, what else, what else would you want? Yes. Now, yeah. you had also mentioned there was a word that stood out to me when you were first sharing your heart about deciding to take that leap 
into full-time artist, you, you said you were afraid you were being selfish. And there was something that stood out to me about that, Adam, because I think that right there is a deep down feeling a lot of us artists have because we love what we do so much mm-hmm. that we think, could it be true that I could do this full time and it's not just a selfish motive, especially when you're caring for feeding children and paying the bills and you think, could it be true that, that I could actually <laughs> paint and this could be my living? <laughs> and so I feel that you touched on something that artists need to hear about and want to talk about is, yeah. is that, is it okay <laughs> that we enjoy what we do so much and make a living from it? What have you discovered about that, Adam? Yeah, that's, that's a, a struggle for sure. I mean, um, especially as a, a creative person, I mean, you can let it take your entire world away. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I can sometimes go up and paint for 12, 14 hours straight, uh, completely forget that, that I have, any responsibility in the world and then crawl out of yeah. it and and then come back and, and you feel that guilt of like oh my goodness like I could have been doing this I could have been doing that but I think mm-hmm. it is something that uh, a lot of people have because you shouldn't like doing your job the job is is supposed to be something that you hate to do um, that you struggle through it and you get a, a paycheck for your uh, for your troubles and then and then that's it so when you're actually like loving what you're what you do and you get paid for it as well, you almost feel like you're cheating life somehow. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's that's a natural. I think that's a normal um, feeling for for people in in doing anything that you really love. Um, but yeah, you'll like it's something that you will get over. And uh, I mean, for me, uh, the the big thing for me now is to take a breath. Because I, mm. I, I'm very, I become very obsessive with what I'm creating mm. and I don't want to step away from it. So anyone who's an artist out there who also has responsibilities and has a family, it's, it's good to almost put a timer on and mm-hmm. like have a break from Resurface. what you're, yeah, exactly. Take a breath and go yeah. down and check in and, uh, and go back. Uh, but yeah, that's, yes. yeah. Yes, I think all creative people can identify with that for sure. Getting lost in the world of our imagination and our work. And and so now that your art business has taken off and you're very busy, I know that how busy you are just in nailing down this date for the podcast, (laughs) it seems like you have your hands in a lot of different projects and things. And of course, you're a busy dad and husband and artist. And so you're so busy, but what does life look like for you right now? And what what is your your painting time like? Like, how do you balance all of it? That is, yeah, that's hard to lock down because inspiration is hard to tame. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm like, even last at the end of last year, I I made a, a decision. I'm like, okay, I've been I've been creating way too much. I need to just take a step back. I need to spend some time with the girls. Um, I need to start to read a bit more. I got to do something else. I just need to break away from it. Um, Mm -hmm. And in that breaking away, I then got into the habit of not creating for a while. So then it was hard to get back into the, the, Mm -hmm. the pattern of, of creating. So it is, it's, I, I have no good answer for that. What I, what I try to do is um, I, wake up in the morning, I, I do the business part of it. And then once I have the business part of it done, then I go upstairs and I create until 
the girls come home from school. And then uh, at that point, I break away from it and I'm present with them until they're uh, in bed. And then I usually go up and steal a few hours in the night. So that's, that is my process and how I try to keep it. Sounds like a good one. It sounds like it's working and it looks like it's working. Yeah. So you keep saying go up. So do you have an upstairs studio yeah. or, or describe this to us? <laughs> yeah. So this, this room here that I'm in right now is my packing room. Um, and okay. attached to this is my, my gallery. I'm not going to show you my gallery right now because it's in complete slings. It's destroyed. <laughs> um, and then up from there is my studio. So that's where I create. So I'm lucky enough to have it all in my connected to my home and also away from my home so that I, I spent a good, good many years painting in the living room and in the kitchen. And yes. there's so many distractions there that it never felt authentic. So I needed, I needed my own space, but I didn't need to go travel someplace, another building for my own space. Cause I want to be able to go create when I'm inspired. And that's, that's mm -hmm. how I set up my, uh, my system here. And so then tell us a little bit more about Fogo Island and how it has embraced you and what life looks like being such a well-known artist of Fogo Island and the people there, your community. What's, what's that like, Adam? Well, it, the community is really, it's a small, it's a small community. I mean, we've got around 2000 people here uh, uh, on the island and everyone knows everybody. So really it's, 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 uh, I mean, everyone, I go to the store and I talk to people and no one, no one sees me as a, an artist or, I mean, no one sees that in you. Everyone around here keeps you humble. And, uh, and that's what I love about it. It's just a real um, community-based place that you, uh, you feel at home with. And I've always felt at home here. Um, I'm not, I wasn't born here. I was born in uh, Nova Scotia and lived most of my life in New Brunswick, my mom and dad and my sister and her family are still there in New Brunswick. So I visit, I visit uh, Moncton a lot and I go to Halifax a lot. Uh, but really over the, over the last couple of years, this place, whenever I'm away from Fogo Island, it, it feels like I, like I'm away from home now. This is, this is my home and is a place that um, it, it's grown on me for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, because your work is so reflective of Fogo Island and it is really what impacted and brought out this body of work from you. Do you ever mm -hmm. feel trapped by that? Like you want to explore other landscapes and other expressions or is there just still so much more for you in that realm? Yeah, so um, definitely. I, uh, I, I try to, you don't want to get pigeonholed. I, for me, I don't mm. want to get pigeonholed into one particular thing that I have to, that I got to do over and over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like to experiment even within the realm of like, like if you see back here, the, the sh this right here is, is a newish piece. I did this last year, uh, but the shed and, and the buildings are always something that I, I come back to because they're my figure. They're the, they're the thing mm -hmm. that kind of um, grounds the piece for me and um, mm -hmm. it makes it feel finished uh although at the beginning of this year i did do i'll show you a piece that i did um so just for those of you who are for those who are listening on audio and who can't see let's yeah. describe the pieces so the one that adam just pointed out is uh, a little shed that is on uh rocks like a little island of rocks surrounded mm -hmm. by water you you describe it adam you'll do a better yeah <laughs> better so, interpretation. yeah no, that's, that's exactly what it is it's uh it's a little tiny shed um 
and uh, it's just situated on a little tiny body of rocks, which is essentially like a characterization of me and how I live, where I live on little, like, and then the water uh, is all, it's almost um, stylized to a point where it's become almost broken down to just circles and and squares Mm -hmm. and and color. Um, And then uh, the sky also has a, has a, a flow to it, very stylized and, um, the predominant colors in here are, are blue. So this piece here, when I created it, it was more, I wanted the reds and the warm colors to, to really kind of punch out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way to do that would be to use cold colors or cool, cool colors mm-hmm. to make them stand out more. So, um, yeah, so that's essentially my, if anyone were to think of and know my work, they would see this as kind of in their mind as what my work looks like. So, um, yes. I started to branch out a bit. So this right here is uh, a piece that I did this year. Um, I was inspired, obviously, by uh, the Impressionists or Monet. And I, I'd like to, I always thought I'd like, like now that I'm, I've gotten into this, like breaking elements down into circles. And I was thinking, I'd love to do just a piece with water and water lilies. So I then mm-hmm. started to, uh, I did this piece here, which was basically just playing with light and color and how they interact with each other. And so yeah, that's that's. And for those listening on audio, the the piece that Adam just held up was a very colorful um, piece of water water lilies and lily pads. It's very. It has a lot of stylized circle patterns. And you can, if you're listening on audio, you can pop onto our Instagram at Bold Artist Podcast. And I'm pretty sure that was a piece. Adam, did you send that to me to show there on Instagram? So no, hopefully people I, can see that. Yeah. yeah send, how about you send it over? Yeah, for sure. And we'll show that so that our listeners, our faithful audio listeners can see what yeah. <laughs> see what we're talking about as well. And don't forget, everyone, that Adam's links will also be in the show notes. So wherever you're accessing our podcast today, you can pop into the show notes and find out more about Adam. You can see find his website there and his Instagram links as well. So uh, so that's, you know, just important to check that out so you can see this amazing work that Adam and I are talking about today. And I love how, Adam, you said that the houses are your figures. And do you think if you went and painted the prairies, you'd still have houses as your figures? I'd need, I would need something. I'd need a, I'd need a little tiny uh, barn or something, a little house that would yeah. just put the, put the scale and the size of it all, all in in uh, in perspective of, of what I was looking at. So yeah, I definitely would. Yeah. 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 That's, that's amazing. I, I love, I love the characteristics of the houses. And now that you've said how you put so much thought and personality into them, I can see it even more. So um, I'll be looking through again, I'll be looking through your work and, and admiring the personalities of all the the little houses and buildings. And so Adam, in closing of the show, is there anything that you'd like to say or encourage other artists in their journey of being bold, in their journey of taking brave steps to discover who they are as painters, as artists? Is there anything you'd like to share with us today in closing? Um, yeah, I. What I would what I would have wanted to be told when I first started would be to and I mentioned it before, um, just don't compare yourself to anybody. Um, I know a lot of uh, people now, uh, artists will they, they follow people on Instagram and Facebook and uh, and 
I find myself at, at certain points where I'm, I'm looking at work and I'm thinking, oh, I love that. I wish I knew how to do that. I wish I could、mm-hmm. do something exactly like that. And it almost becomes discouraging after a while. So, what I would say to anyone is, is unplug every now and then. Just step away from the, the thoughts of, of comparing yourself to anybody and just create for the, for the love of it and experiment.、Mm-hmm. And, and even in the frustrating moments, I find like my, my most favorite pieces are the ones that gave me a lot of grief while I was creating them.、Mm-hmm. Um, and when I stepped out of that whole battle I had with them, it, it, it meant so much more. And in that process, I may have picked up a few new. Techniques, and I may have picked up a few new ways of, of, of seeing the painting、uh, where I didn't have it before. So the struggle、mm-hmm. is good. You should struggle a bit,、yeah. and,、uh, and it's, a, it's a mixture of, of love and, and pain when you're creating. And that's, that's when you know you're doing it right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.、Yeah. I agree with you, and I know that firsthand that the struggle is good. It brings out the best out of us when we、mm-hmm. labor for it. and And、uh, try. <laughs> Keep on trying it until we succeed. <laughs> and so, thank you, for those, thank you for those words of encouragement. We so appreciate you making the time for us to be here、yeah. on the Bold Artist Podcast. Thanks for being on the show, Adam. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us on the Bold Artist Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, on the Bold School channel, on Instagram at Bold Artist Podcast, and on all audio apps. You can search Bold Artist Podcast and find and follow us there. We're so thankful to have you here along our journey, giving artists voices, hearing artists' stories. We'd love your feedback. Hop on to Instagram and find us at Bold Artist Podcast and share with us any ideas you have for upcoming shows, what you'd love to hear about, and any of your feedback that fuels our podcast forward. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, keep creating. <laughs>